Welcome to Feminine Founder, where we talk all things recruiting, hiring, business, and entrepreneurship. Today, I have Lisa Rangel with me. Lisa is the CEO of Chameleon Resumes. Chameleon Resumes helps with executive resume writing, LinkedIn profile development, and job search consultancies. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, Carolyn. So I know that we've met previously, and I was able to hear your story a little bit about you're a former executive recruiter turned yes. entrepreneur and business owner. So I would love our listeners to hear your story. Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. Um, I, I was an executive recruiter for 13 years and uh, mostly focused on accounting and finance uh, leadership roles at the time, but was promoted through the ranks to oversee some other divisions uh, of discipline uh, during my tenure. And then, you know, in 2009, I found myself laid off, uh, similar to what's happening to a lot of recruiters today. Um, just kind of caught up in a, you know, economic malstorm where I was uh, laid off as a recruiter. And I was also simultaneously a little burnt out uh, on, the, on the profession and was starting to question what I should do next. And although I did have interviews, um, uh, for recruiting roles and I actually did land two interim, you know, gigs, uh, just to kind of keep the lights on, so to speak, I, I started writing resumes, um, because I was really good at it when I recruited for some reason. And, um, Lord knows in 2009, a lot of people needed it. So I started charging for it. And, um, wound up sending an email, you know, to, you know, like 400 of my closest friends in some, you know, very bastardized way of, you know, 10 emails, 10, 10 email addresses per email that I sent, you know, in Outlook and definitely pre-email marketing days. And uh, I, I kind of lived off that email for about seven, eight months and realized I can do it as a business. And I started, you know, investing in, in systems and in people and myself. And I started the business in 2009. And, um, you know, it's it's been a good run so far. So I, I can't complain. Uh, my clients are amazing. My team's amazing. I'm blessed every day. And, you know, even the bad days are still good days in my book. So uh, they're really more logistic issues than bad days. And uh, I'm grateful. You know, I'm really grateful. But that's basically it in a nutshell. 2009 was a year. That's actually the exact year I got into recruiting. And I thought... God bless you. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be... Everyone want to talk to me about hiring and recruiting. And I was literally getting cussed out, yelled at every single phone call. <laughs> All like hiring managers. And I was literally considering like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you probably weren't alone that year. <laughs> but made one temp placement and that, that did it for me. That's <laughs> it. That's it. So why is a resume so important? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, over the over the years, even before I started, you know, formally writing them as a business, the importance I think has has changed. Um, and I think the importance level has wavered, you know. Um, and I think also even in a given year, the importance of a resume, depending on who you are, you know, what you do, the industry in which you do it and where you live and that sort of thing, it, you know, it, it also wavers in importance in some level. But I think the resume itself, despite whether it's important or not for a particular person in a particular time period, I think the resume building process is really the most important part of the resume. Because ultimately, whether you need to present yourself on a resume or in a LinkedIn profile, 
or in an executive bio or in an interview answer, I think ultimately you need to have a handle on what is it about you that one, you want to keep doing you. So you have to be self-aware about what you want to keep doing, have the, the victory stories that outline how well you do that thing you want to keep doing and then correlate it to the hiring manager, end user, recruiter, whoever you're speaking to about an open role, how the thing you want to keep doing and that you're really good at is what they need based on what they depict as their challenges or opportunities before them and why they're making the hire. So I really think that whatever form the resume manifests as time goes on, right? You know, because Lord knows they've been saying the resume's dead since, you know, 1999. I think the resume process, the resume building process will never go out of style. And that to me is the most important part of the resume. Do you think candidates should change their resume based on each position that they're applying to? I think if they have a bad resume, they have to change their resume for every job that they're applying to. I think if you have a solid foundational resume, you know, what you've done is what you've done but you might change the title up top and the summary part outlining or cherry picking what is relevant to the target audience and put that up top. But what you've done is what you've done. You know, you can't really, you can't change the titles of your job. (laughs) You know, even if you reorder some of the bullets of an employment section, you still do what you did during that time, you know, and you can't, you know, but if you, if you have a solid foundational document that speaks to what you want to keep doing, if what you're applying to is what you want to keep doing, regardless of what the title is of that job, your resume should still speak to it. You just might make an altercation, an alteration up the top, at the top. You know, ch- change the title of under your name in the summary section, and maybe some and change out the achievements that are and choose these ch- achievements that you've done and you want to keep doing that are relevant to the job that you're going for. And if you have a solid foundational document, that should just take a couple of little tweaks. And you don't, you shouldn't have to rewrite your resume every time. If you are rewriting your resume every time, you are either applying too broadly, applying to jobs that aren't right for you, or you just simply have a bad resume. Because you really should not have to be doing that. You just made a really great point about victory stories. And I think that a lot of times when people put resumes together, they just put down their job duties. They don't think about exactly what they've accomplished. So if you can unpack that a little bit further, like what exactly would be a victory story? What kind of win would hiring managers want to see? Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're highlighting this because a lot of resumes that I'm sure you see, I know I see before they get to before we get to work on them, they're they're quite literally in many cases almost like a job description with somebody's name on top. You know, it's a list of tasks. It's a list of areas of responsibility. It's a list of duties included, right? And now imagine any job that you would apply for. Let's just pick one. Let's just say director of marketing, right? If you have a director of marketing job description, it has a list of, you know, duties that are supposed to, that this person will encompass in the job, you know, that they, that they will do if they're hired into the job and, um, and maybe some desired outcomes. Like in, if it's a decently written job description that you can't take for granted either, but let's just go with that. Well, if everyone submitting to that director of marketing job has a list of the same tasks that they've been doing in a director or a, a director of marketing job as a lateral or as, you know, a marketing manager, and now they're going for this director role as, a, as the step up, if everyone's like, I've done this task, I've done this task, and I've done this task, and you have now 50 of those resumes that have a list of tasks, 
how is that recruiter supposed to discern how well anybody's doing the job other than their ability to say that they can cut and paste a job description into a resume, right? But when you say, here's how well I've done this task, right? Here's how I've increased the amount of email addresses we have on our email list, or here's the, you know, the number of affiliates we've signed on and got this much in revenue by having a new affiliate program, or, you know, here's the branding exercise that warranted in, you know, this many markets and we were positioned as X in our field, you know, in our, our niche. When you start depicting how well you did each of those tasks on your resume, now when your resume is up against that other 49 resumes that submitted to the job, while everyone else has tasks listed, you have achievements and they're going to go, oh, this one actually did the stuff that's listed. And now we know how well they did it. And we know in what context they do it for a 50 person company or a 5,000 person company. There's no better or worse, but context matters. People Giving people context, dollars, people, percentages, you know, that starts to give credence and, and credibility to you doing the job. And then compa- now they can compare candidates and say, well, this one did an email list of this size and increased it by this much. This one did it in this context. This one did it in this, you know, project scope which is more relevant to us based on what we need and who's doing it better. But without that list of achievements and context, you basically have a list of tasks that everyone else will have on their resume too. And by the way, if it is a director of marketing role and you just have a list of tasks, you are showing that you're a crappy marketer (laughs) because you're not selling yourself. So how you look for the job is also how you will conduct you. Typically somebody can say is how you can conduct yourself on in the job if you're given the job. So, you know, if you're especially if you're a marketer or you're a salesperson, you better show that you can market or sell yourself with some numbers. If you're a finance person with no numbers or measurement on your resume, well, why are we here? You know, um, like you really need to think about demonstrating your craft by how you market yourself on your resume. I love that you just unpacked that further because you are so right. I mean, that is pure gold. If you're a numbers person and you don't have numbers of things that you've done or achieved or saved, what kind of CFO are you? <laughs> well, I always kind of laugh when people say I'm results oriented in the top paragraph and then they have no achievements listed on their resume. It's a list of tasks. I'm like, mm, that's a fail. <laughs> so I'd like to pivot to LinkedIn. Why is having your LinkedIn profile optimized so important? Well, I guess if you ask 50 people that question, you might get 75 answers. But what we are going to focus on today is, you know, I think over the years, and honestly, my answer may to that question would would probably have been different even 10 years ago. I think today it's resume-like. The the profile, if you're looking for a job, is resume-like. You know, it is often the first quote resume a recruiter will see. You know, I think the most recent stat that I've seen is like 98% of recruiters use LinkedIn to recruit, whether they're buying the LinkedIn recruiter license or using Sales Navigator or using it in some free capacity, which I don't even know how you do that anymore, but God bless them, right? Everybody's using LinkedIn in some capacity, or I shouldn't say everybody, a, a majority of recruiters are doing that. And then, you know, even if it's a recruiter not using LinkedIn and say they're doing Boolean search on Google, Bing, any of the other search engines, if you have your profile set to be crawled uh, or found by public search engines, it could just come up as a result if you're properly optimized when people are doing Boolean searches, insight searches on LinkedIn, looking for people with certain things, certain numbers, certain phrases. 
So it's, it's simply a way to be found. And you are hijacking your search efforts by not employing this option because then you're, you're shutting off one very prolific way to be found and you're only relying on you doing outreach. And I think a successful job search nowadays really is about outreach and being found. And, and, and then there's a secondary component to it. I think over the last three, four years minimum, people meet you in person you know, even if you reach out to somebody, sending them your resume, networking, all the things that we used to do and still should do, but then they pop your name into LinkedIn. What's your first impression? Are you giving off an impression that you are somebody who's contemporary, you have it updated, you you look kind of with it? Do you have you, does it look like you haven't looked at it in three years? Is that an okay image you want put forth that it hasn't been looked at in three years? You know, like some people maybe are so good, they don't need it, but unless you're that person... <laughs> And I'd say the majority of us kind of need some validation that we're with it and contemporary, you know, what, and then if you're not on it at all, people wonder, like, is this a legit person sometimes? Like it's gotten to that extreme, right? Like having a LinkedIn profile in corporate is the equivalent of small businesses now, you know, there was a threshold about 10, 12 years ago, where if you didn't have a website as a business, you were almost viewed as not legitimate. And there's that threshold that happened about 10, 12 years ago. I had that instance with my husband. He had a contracting business. I'm like, dude, you need a website. People are going to think you're like fly by night. And so that was about 10, 12 years ago. So, you know, I think LinkedIn profiles in corporate have now hit that threshold at some point in the last three to four years that if you don't have one, they wonder about your legitimacy and they wonder if you get it, how things work nowadays. So I just think it supports it when it's done well. Starts with your profile picture. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people's, even at the C-suite and executive level, that don't have a picture uploaded or have a non-professional picture uploaded. And as a recruiter, I pause sometimes on whether or not their profile and their is legit because of those simple decisions. Yeah, I mean, there is there. You know, I don't know the exact numbers. But there's definitely, you know, a fake profile problem on LinkedIn and, you know, having your ID validated, which honestly, I even fought for a little while there because I'm like, I shouldn't have to do that. Having a picture, having some basic stuff filled in, you know, without giving away your identity per se, right? Like, you know, I don't need to put my social security number up there, you know, like, but I think it contributes to people feeling like you're legitimate. And, you know, unfortunately, that's a thing nowadays. Now, again, if you're in a profession or you're a business owner of some kind where, you know, an online presence is not needed or even frowned upon. I mean, that's a thing in certain industries and certain professions. I mean, then that's fine. Again, take, take what's relevant to you here in this discussion. And, you know, it's not an absolute for everybody. I mean, I'll be the first to say that nothing, no piece of advice is an absolute for everybody, but you know, if you're struggling and you're not in a profession or an industry that is frowned upon, having this stuff public, then maybe you got to look at it, you know, you can only help not hurt. I mean, and you have to have an optimized, you've got to have the professional picture, you've got to have the banner, you've got to if you're open to work, put the open to work banner up, there's no shame in that. No, I mean, even the banner behind the picture, I mean, I'll tell you, nobody's not going to get hired because they don't have a banner up. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like, I mean, does it add to it all? Yes. If you're a graphic artist, that's an awesome way to show your whatever. If you're a CFO and you don't have a banner picture, you're really great at what you do. Nobody's going to care that you don't have a banner picture up. So, I mean, like, 
these things like, you know, I know LinkedIn recently did away with the profile picture video. And I'm going to tell you that, like, I'm not even that heartbroken about it. I mean, I did one because I'm like, oh, you're supposed to do one. And then I'm like, nobody's not going to get hired because they don't have profile video, especially at the executive level. You know, I mean, unless you're in communications or in marketing, but like, that's the thing, like th- this whole thing about it has to, you have to look at what your target wants to see and deliver accordingly. It doesn't mean everything has to be perfect, but at least deliver on the parts are gonna, that are going to matter. Don't get caught up about all the bells and whistles that don't matter, you know, but having the words optimized under your tagline, you know, your headline, your about section, your employment titles, even that bare basic stuff can make a difference. You know, having, you know, 14 pieces of work in the, you know, published section of LinkedIn's profile, nobody's going to care, you know, like, so don't sweat the small stuff, but don't not, don't ignore the big stuff. You know, it doesn't, you'll never get it perfect, but at least get the basics. So what are some things in addition to optimizing their LinkedIn profile that people can be doing right now in this job searching climate in 2023? You know, um, I mean, as simply as I can put it, I would say talk to people. You know, don't hide behind your computer. Don't wait for recruiters to call. Don't wait for job boards to put up postings. You know, like if you want to work in a certain area, go look at the lead, go find LinkedIn. We've never had a situation in time where we have more access to more information at our fingertips. If you want to work in a company, go start networking with people, reaching out to them on LinkedIn, commenting on their posts on LinkedIn, see where what conferences they're going to, even if you attend virtually. Even if you ride the hashtags online and don't go near the conference and just try to network that way. You know, when I, when I, when I looked for a job in college, I had to, to like go to the career center, pull the, the binder off the, the, the shelf of like the alumni in the area that I wanted to work with, like flip the pages, write all the alumni down, go, you know, write letters. We had computers. We had little Apple. Um, oh my God, the little, little Macs. We had little Macs and right now was the program. And so I did have a, you know, a word processor to write like 200 letters. And then I had a print out the letters and mail the letters and address the envelopes and put the stamps on it. And like two weeks later, call and go, did you get my letter that they're wanting to do things like now? I mean, you can literally like scrape data. You can have a spreadsheet populated in like 3.2 minutes and you can do a merge and you can send something. Even if you manually email 200, it's still going to be take a hell of a lot less time than it took me to do that 220 something years ago. Who am I kidding? 30 something years ago. Anyway, um, we've never had more access to information and the ability to communicate than ever before. And so when people tell me like, oh, I don't have anybody to call. I don't know what to say. I'm just like, you're just not trying even a little bit, not even hard enough, like a little bit. Like, so you just have to talk to people. If you're getting frustrated that you're getting too many system responses, then that means you're not talking to people. If you go through computers, you're going to get computer responses. You want to talk to people, you got to reach out to people. Yeah, I encourage people to use the direct messaging feature on LinkedIn to the companies that are hiring to directly to the hiring managers mm-hmm. and on top of HR talent acquisition, because a hiring manager might not get back to you, but at least the, you've got a DM from you that you're interested in, which stands out further than just, Hey, did you get my resume? But you have to say more than, Hey, did you get my resume? You have to say, this is why I'm interested. Exactly. Here's why I'm qualified. You have to get aggressive. And I feel like a lot of people are, are not comfortable with that. No. And, and you know what? And leverage things like leverage, 
corporate alumni relations, if maybe you used to work at the same company, but you know, clearly you don't work there, you never worked there together, you didn't know each other. If you went to the same college, if you went to rival colleges, you can make a joke about, oh, you're from here, I'm from there, but I'm, you know, thought I'd reach out, I figured you can be nice to me anyway, like, and make a joke about it. Or like, just if you didn't go to college, maybe you went to the same town, maybe you have a, a family member that went to that college, or like, the key is to just look for something in common upon reaching out. Maybe it's somebody put something up on LinkedIn and you really, it resonated with you and you comment about what they published. You know, people always love, you know, fan mail on some level, you know, as long as it's genuine and sincere in, in the commentary, just look for leverage to reach out to somebody. You know, there's always, a you know, people like, well, I didn't go to college. Well, I didn't work at a big firm. Oh, I didn't. There's always something you don't have, right? But you got to look at what you have. And everybody's got something if you look hard enough and just look at what you have. So do you recommend people working with recruiters or job searching on their own? They can't choose to work with a recruiter, right? A recruiter, you know this better than anybody, has to identify them as a candidate that their client wants to possibly interview. And if that recruiter ultimately places that candidate, the illusion is they found them a job, but the reality is they delivered a product to their company client paying them a fee. Just happens to be that candidate, right? I don't think a candidate can choose to work with a recruiter. The illusion is that they are, but that's not happening. I think, you know, sources of hire studies that I've kind of followed over the years is about 10 to 15% of hires happen through third-party recruiters. 20 to 25% of hires happen through job postings. And 60 to 65% of hires happen through first degree connections, second degree connections, third degree connections, employee referrals, social media connections, personal contacts, right? The four letter word of networking, right? (laughs) And um, so I think you need to do all of it. You know, I, I think you need to do all of it. I think any one of those things can lead to a hire. And it's hard to know which one. And if you're going to pick one, I wouldn't pick the one that has the smallest percentage of how hires happen personally. I would pick the biggest one, but I do think you need to do all of it. That's great advice. So as we wrap up, how can our listeners find you? I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Lisa Rangel. Um, You can go to chameleonresumes.com for executive resume, senior executive and senior level resume writing and job landing consulting advisory services. And joblandingacademy.com is where we have essentially our career school, landing a job school with, um, you know, resume templates, LinkedIn advice, job landing plans, interview coaching and salary coaching videos and stuff like that. So we have a whole school we've put together at Job Landing Academy and any of those three areas are a good place to get me. And I'll tag all of that in the show notes too. This is great. Thank you so much. 